eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 120 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Crew and Scott McLaughlin. And the Bruins have moved to 2-0 on the young season after a 6-3 win over the Coyotes at TD Garden. In their home opener, they spread the wealth. Uh, goals from Zaka, Coyle, Forbert had a goal. AJ Greer had two. Nick Felino had another one. I don't know if I – I think I got everybody. Uh, I know Loco almost had a goal. Um, but this leads us perfectly into almost had a goal. He did score, but it was taken away. Um, this leads us though into what we wanted to get into, which was the offense early on this season with an accumulated 11 goals, which I want to say is top three or so. I know it's two games, but some teams have played three, right? So they're they're up there with I think Pittsburgh and the Kings, surprisingly enough, um, as some of the top scoring teams real quick in the first couple of games. So that's that's a good sign, guys. Yeah, and AJ Greer is their leading scorer. Is he you can really? say that after the yeah, first two week, goals. AJ Greer He's... is the Bruins' leading scorer because he got two the two last goals. And yeah, because their first ten goals of the season all came from ten different scorers, and then Greer was the first one to get to two. Yep, so already matched sure... his. He already matched his NHL career total. He had two goals <laughs> in his first forty-seven career NHL games, and he had two goals in 
like a five minute span in the second game of the season against the Coyotes because he had them both in the third, like late in the third. So, yeah, no, he's definitely going to end up uh, the team's leading goal scorer by the end of the year. <laughs> but no, so uh, to talk about the scoring, there's there's a big difference too between the first game and the second game where they got their their goals from. First game was just top six dominance, right? It was the check line looked so you know, fun to watch and fast and smooth and, you know, Hall scores on the first line and, you know, the Bergeron line looks good. And in the second game, it's, it's your depth. It was, you know, guys, like you mentioned, guys that didn't score in the first game, but you're getting goals from your other lines. You're getting a goal from Charlie Coyle, um, Nick Foligno and, you know, Derek forward. You're getting, you're getting, you only get, the one goal from the top six from Pavel Zaka and he's new. So like he, he's new to the system. He wasn't a guy that we're going to be like, Oh, naturally he's going to, you know, produce at this pace. So it was just really nice to see that it bounced out over the two games, even though they're kind of like split in half. Yeah. And even more importantly than the goals, you, I think you're just getting good play from those lines. That's setting the tone. Like, you know, both the third and the fourth line, they were, physical they're forcing turnovers they were spending time in the offensive zone like they both ended up uh 60 Corsi or better the the fourth line Felino Nosek Lauko they when they were on the ice the Bruins outshot the Coyotes six to one and like yeah obviously it's the Coyotes and they're terrible and uh you know we'll get to like you know obviously there was that let up in the second period uh and even into the third where they let you know the lead slip away and coyotes actually tie the game but you play who's on the schedule and this you know these are the games where you want to build some confidence in in your depth where you want those guys to you know get on the score sheet see the puck go in the net you know feel it on their stick spend time in the offensive zone like these are the games to do that and they did both third and fourth line stepped up the you know the third line, Frederick Coyle Greer was all over the Coyotes. Like gave them no space, kept forcing turnovers on the four check. Um, you know, Frederick, who's a healthy scratch opening night comes in and, and plays, you know, a really strong game. Uh, in addition to the two goals, Greer, you know, forces the turnover on Coyle's goal. Frederick does a nice job winning a battle on that goal and, and setting up Coyle. So um, yeah, like that's, exactly what you want to see from those guys now. Yeah, obviously it's going to be different against better teams and, you know, we're going to see Florida Panthers on Monday. So, you know, there's, there's a better test right away, but for, for what it was for a game against Coyotes, like that's exactly what you want. And hopefully for the Bruins, it builds some confidence with those guys. And you have, and you have a, a handful of players who are really trying to prove themselves this year with the Bruins. And that hasn't always been the case for, for Bruins teams who have historically, the rosters have been pretty set and guys are, you know, there's stability in their role and for good reason, because players have, you know, they've performed in Boston, but going into this season, you have Pavel Zaka who is coming over from New Jersey and he's, you know, trying to kind of jumpstart what's been a relatively slow first four or five years in the league. Um, high draft pick. You have Nick Felino, who was put on waivers. Um, obviously, went through waivers, but again, that's a that's a big message. It's telling a guy, "Hey, look, we we 
we made you available if, if somebody else wanted to take you and, and, and bring you into their team and you would no longer be a Boston Bruin. But obviously, he, you know, he, he made it through. And so he's still here. So he has a chip on his shoulder, which he already had going into this year because he heard from Bruins Nation and, and, and viewers that he needed to be a lot better and really didn't have much to offer this team this year. So, or so we thought. Um, AJ Greer is somebody who we've talked about a ton, who's <laughs> a lot for somebody who's only played two games for the, for the Bruins. But he, again, he sat down with Scott for about 20 minutes and, in that interview, it was everything we've talked about, just how he's he's relishing this opportunity at this point in his life. And um, so he's trying to prove himself. And last but not least is Trent Frederick. And I want to give a tip of the cap to to Jim Montgomery on this one because he comes into, into the Bruins. He's behind the bench, and he wasn't afraid, to his credit, he wasn't afraid to, to, to scratch Trent Frederick, who, as we noted many times, doesn't have this illustrious NHL career resume and certainly didn't win a job in training camp. And so Jim Montgomery recognized that and sent him to the ninth floor to start the year. And what did that do? Trent Frederick came out and in my opinion, had one of his better games as a Bruin start to finish. Um, Did everything that we've said, we want that, that player to do drive hard to the net, create turnovers. Like Scott said earlier, play the body, but in a, when when necessary not just chasing people around like the 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 coil goal is is it's a good it's a good deflection from Greer but it's it's Trent Frederick just starting to play with with the body hit and you know giving the, the puck over to coil and I've talked a lot about Trent Frederick's hockey decision making not being as quick as it needs to be well it was last night and so it's it's a long season I we, we've, we've criticized Trent Frederick a lot, and I, it was his first game, so you would hope he would play with some piss and vinegar, and it's a long schedule, but it's another example that he shows too far and few between of what he is capable of doing for this team. Can Jim Montgomery get this out of him more consistently? Yeah, and it, it so you can look at it two ways for Frederick. He did have a really good game in game two. He one of the key things he did was once he started playing physical and making those hits, you could tell he felt more confident and things started going better offensively for him as well. And he was making good plays, you know, like in the neutral zone, clogging it up. He had a a play where he made a hit, separated the puck. Greer got it, uh, passed it to the side and that was the coil goal. So like on that shift, he he did really well, started out with just being physical. He also, ended up twice uh, during the game. One was an actual fight. One was just like a scrum at the very end of the game with Liam O'Brien. And Liam O'Brien is the guy that hit Carlo up high. So he wasn't, it wasn't immediately after the the Carlo hit that uh, um, O'Brien laid, but Frederick did recognize and stick up for him in that way. Yeah. And and if it wasn't Frederick that dropped the gloves with O'Brien, it was going to be Greer. Like Greer had, was talking to him like at the end of the first period. And then I think it was the first time that line got out against O'Brien that Frederick ended up going with him. Um, but that that's another thing, like not even necessarily just the fight, but setting a physical tone. Like that's, those are things that you want Frederick and Greer doing as well as Felino and Lauco on the fourth line. But, you know, uh, the thing with Frederick is, yeah, it's like everything you guys said is, Right. Like this is exactly how you want him to play. Seems like he responded well to being a healthy scratch opening night. I think Montgomery has handled the situation well. 
now the question is like, can he, is he actually going to do this consistently? Like, is it actually going to stick? Because I kind of feel about Frederick, the way that, the way that we felt about DeBrus for many years, right. Which was okay. You know, something would happen he'd get demoted, whatever. And he would bounce back and he'd be like, okay, there it is. Like that's, that's the guy we expect to see. And it would stay for, you know, a few games, a handful of games, and then would fade away again. And that's been the problem with Frederick is he hasn't been able to keep it going consistently. He'll like, I think he's bounced back from healthy scratches well in the past uh, under Cassidy. Like it, it does seem to get him going. The problem is that he's needed to be healthy scratched as often as he has. He hasn't really won a job and run with it and like never looks back. He, he gives coaches a reason to take him out of the lineup because he, all, everything we saw Saturday night, he that will fade away at some point, and he'll go quiet for a game or two or three, and he won't be physical, and he won't be on pucks, and he won't be making plays on the forecheck. And you hope at some point they get really. The Bruins obviously wanted to click; like they see him as maybe that third line left wing at worst, a key part of the fourth line. They, they want him to be an everyday player, but they're not just going to hand it to him. Like he, he is going to have to earn it. And the Bruins have some forward depth this year. So, you know, it's not, it's not going to be like last year where you kind of just get put with Coyle and Smith out of necessity. Cause there's really no one else to go there. Like there, there's other guys around now and whether it's a Greer stepping up or a Lauka making the team or McLaughlin knocking on the door down in Providence or Stanico's, you know, still hasn't gotten to the lineup. I think, Montgomery said, you know, he'll probably get in at some point this week because um, they don't want him sitting too long. But all those guys are pushing. So there's competition for Frederick. It's not just going to be handed to him. So let's see, you know, if he actually earns his keep and keeps playing like this and forces Montgomery to keep him in the lineup. Two two things for me off of that. Quick, I think the difference between the DeBrus situation with the healthy scratches and the Frederick situation with him needing to have this um, like reinforced and then coming back and, and playing well after. The the main difference for that is just that DeBrusque was at one point like in the 2018-19 season, like very like he was much more consistent. <laughs> and like we actually saw like that 27 goal season from him and in they were like, okay, where did that go? But where, there's no like, where did that go from Trent Frederick? That it wasn't like as, like he did never showed as much as DeBrus did in that that one season. Um, not yet, at least. Hopefully, he does eventually. But um, DeBrus, like, it was that 18 19 season to had 27 goals, and then last year finally bounced back and had a 25 goal season. Frederick, I, I don't see that coming. But um, and the other thing that I mean, you mentioned Frederick coming back from a healthy scratch. And I like that just puts into my mind Stanika, who has missed the first two games as a healthy scratch. And he looked so sad, so, so sad Um, when they had the lineups like opening night. Scott, I don't know if you happen to see this on your monitor, but so they're calling out the names, like introducing the roster for the first time opening night at the Garden on Saturday. And some of the guys are coming onto the bench in suits. And everybody else is hurt, or or if you're Strawman, you know you're having visa issues. But then Trent Frederick, I mean, and then um, Jackson Nico walks out, <laughs> and he's just in a suit, and he's just all sad. And I was like, I feel so bad for this kid. Like he's on the team opening night, but he's not wearing a jersey. He's not skating onto the ice. He's walking onto the bench, and he's just like, Yeah, guys, I'm here. 
but like, can you just put me in please? Um, and I just wonder if we're already like, if the team is already messed with the psyche, like he could have come into this season and be like, I earned my job. I have like this momentum coming in and now he's sitting there waiting and it's just, I, I feel bad. And I feel like once again, we're doing the same thing um, to Jackson Nico. We're seeing the same thing that coaches just are holding him out and making him like feel less confident in himself. And I'm not sure he's going to bounce back quite as well as Frederick did. Well, and the concern if you're Jackson Nico too, is that you're not, you're not in the opening night lineup. You're not in a game two lineup. And your concern if you're him is like, well, what if I don't get a chance to get in there? And Jim Montgomery just really loves this fourth line of Nick Felino Loco and Nosek and doesn't want to break him up because I mean they have they have played well through two games. But similar to Trent Frederick, I guess the difference with between Trent Frederick's healthy scratches in the past and this one, the reason I like this one the best, or at least you know, on opening night, was because it wasn't a mid-season healthy scratch where it's like Trent, you're off your game right now. It's a long season. Go up to the ninth floor and 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 analyze from from a up above this was a no we don't think you're good enough to be in our opening night lineup to start the season healthy scratch you weren't the, you weren't among the best forwards in camp and I think that might sit a little bit differently with with Trent Frederick and hopefully that allows him to be more consistent like Scott was saying and when it comes to Jack Sanika when he gets his opportunity which he inevitably will we've already seen the injury bug start this year um you want to see Jackson Ika take advantage of that. I just don't know. And it's the same question we had in the offseason. Where do they where do they want him? Because Jake DePress goes down, and then all of a sudden you have two lefties on a line with Coyle and, and, and Frederick and, and AJ Greer. And I actually like the look of that line. It was kind of like con- the controlled Bash brothers, like Greer and Frederick were they were playing physical, like the Bash brothers, but they were in control. They weren't goons. And it was a very effective big line. That's a big line. And you got two guys that are crashing the net, and you have you know Charlie Coyle's puck protection and savviness, and it was it worked really well. And then you have to ask yourself, well, where does Craig Smith fit into this equation if everybody's healthy? Because he's a guy you really want to see get a goal to get himself going. You know he's he's got that monkey on his back, even dating back to last season. So you have my point is you have Marchand out, you have DeBrusco, and even then you can't get into the lineup if you're Jack Stanika. And so it's where is where do they want him? if they give him an opportunity and it's just, it just seems like the, the odds are stacked against him. Like, like, I don't know if I'm him, I'd be, I'd be really dejected right now. Like he looked it. He, he really looked it. Yeah. I don't, I mean, then that to me, that's on him. Like you, you can't take that approach. It's what game two of the season. Like you're going to be down and out because you haven't played yet. I mean, I think I wouldn't like say I, down I and out. I think it's uncomfortable. Like it, the look that sure. he has in his face is just uncomfortable. Yeah, but it, I, I mean, he should. If I were the Bruins looking at him, I would hope he would, he was taking the opposite approach, which is you you made the team. Like you finally made the team out of camp, and yeah, maybe part of that is the waiver situation. But hey, that they waived other guys that you know that they were at least to some extent, okay with losing. They didn't wave you. They kept you around. So you're on the team. You should be excited. Like, it almost I, feels like a toxic relationship where he thinks at any moment he could get waived and he's just like waiting. Pretty that, much. Again, I, like, I just don't have sympathy for like, if that's <laughs> happening, I don't have sympathy for that. Like too bad. You're, you're in the NHL. You're on a team that's looking like one of the better ones in the league. Like, 
he should be pumped. He should be excited to be there. Like, you know, and you're going to get a chance at some point. So just be ready to take advantage of it. It's probably going to come at this week. Like, even if, even if there isn't another injury situation, they're probably going to work him in just to get him some game action. So he should be like, I could understand that in the past when it was okay. You might only get a couple games and then get sent back down. If you don't, you know, like, come up gangbusters and play the best hockey of your career. But like that's not the case now. Like, you're here. They're not sending you down because you would have to go through waivers. So make the most of it, whether you're, you know, in the lineup that night or not. Um, you know, and as far as like whether, like where he goes, it, I think it's going to be on the fourth line. And I think he, he's obviously a different player than Nosek and he'll bring different things, but I think he can fit there. I think he's smart enough defensive player um he won't kill penalties as much as nosek does nosek uh leads all forwards in shorthanded time on ice so far uh, i don't think stanigo will do that but he'll be part of the penalty kill i would assume um so i i think he can fit there i think he can play there and that's where he's gonna have to earn it like brad marchand has said before that you know when he was coming up like 2010 um, you know, like the 2010-11 season or even the year before that, he would like identify guys in the lineup that he had to beat out for a spot. And he'd look at them and he'd be like, how can I separate myself from them? Like, what do I do better than that player? And try to make sure I do it. Jack Staniga has things he does better than Tomas Nosek. He should be looking at and saying, what do I, like, he should be targeting Tomas Nosek as, that's the guy I have to beat out for a job if I'm going to stay in the lineup long-term. So what do I do better than him and how do I show it on a consistent basis? And if he does that, I think he'll be the fourth line center at some point this season. I don't know exactly when, like there's no timetable on it, but he, he has that opportunity. He just has to make the most of it. And I would say like, if, if he ends up stuck as the 13th or 14th forward all year, that tells me that he's, he's not practicing well enough. He's not, showing the coaches anything that's going to, you know, force them into the lineup. So a little early, like for that conversation, like I said, I think we're still kind of at the feeling out process of the season. And that fourth line has played well, Felino, Nosek and Lauga. Like I know, you know, everyone likes to shit on Felino and Nosek in particular, but they're, they've played pretty well through two games and they were really good Saturday in particular. Um, Felino with the multi-point game gets, you know, tips in a goal, like, there, there was no reason to to really bench anyone on that line, other than to give Stanika a chance so he doesn't get too cold. Yeah, but the thing is, Felino actually had, showed a showed himself pretty well in camp. And when you bring up Stanika having to identify guys that he needs to specifically outplay, again, that's why I'm. I know he's going to get an opportunity. I'm, but again, in in his mind right now, that's why he's probably pissed because in camp he did outplay certain players that are above him in a depth chart. And then those guys get the opportunity in the regular season. And now they're starting to play better. And, and so if you're him, the only opportunity he's had so far was training camp. He outperformed certain players like you asked him to. Right. And, 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 and so now he, had, the only time he can really, I know you mentioned practice, but let's be honest, like you got to show yourself in NHL games. Well, you can't do that if you're on the ninth floor and in preseason, he earned the opportunity to at least get a few looks but uh, you know me. I'm not going to sit here and woe is me, Jack Sneka. When, when he gets his opportunity, he he better 
he better show himself. And if he doesn't, then it's on him. Right now, he has to be a team player once again. Um, and yeah, Brad Martian's a good example. Brad Martian broke onto the scene, you know, a quarter of the way into the, the Stanley Cup Finals uh, winning season, right? But he was on the roster the year before in 2010. I believe, you have to double check, I think his first NHL game was, was in 2009. But you didn't know who Brad Martian was until sometime in late 2010, right? So it, it, there's a precedent there. And uh, I don't feel bad for Stanika. It's just, uh, but in the moment, you know, I think Bridget brought him up, but yeah, it's he, he did look dejected. I don't feel bad for him. I'm just saying, like, if it was me, I'd be I like, don't feel bad for him. You guys are horrible. <laughs> you guys are terrible. I don't feel well. I don't I also well, feel I, like I also feel like Jack Stanika in general doesn't, he's he really looks like super happy just in general. Like, he's the type of guy where, like, I, I feel like if he scored like the winning goal in the Stanley Cup finally, like, smile for like a few couple seconds and then like look around awkwardly like did i smile too much almost like, <laughs> <laughs> look, look i i look like i look look like a uh a sad puppy who just pissed in the corner too on opening night if if, if thomas nosek is playing over me when he played like dog shit in, tr- in training camp so like I, I don't think he's supposed to be grinning ear to ear in that situation but I, he will get his opportunity at some point and what he does with that is totally up to him and whether I agree or anybody else agrees with the fourth line, Jim Montgomery has gone with the start of the year. They've looked, they've looked good. I mean, Nick Felino has looked, he's, he's brought energy at the very least. He has also scored. Um, he hit a post that led to Zaka's goal. So he's, he's engaged. He has, you know, some really good forward checking hits. Um, did you guys have anything, any other notes on the forwards from the first few games before we move on? No, I think it's a good, good time to move yeah. on to the defense. All right. So, Here's the bad news about the the Coyotes game, um, despite winning six to three. Uh, a tale as old as time, unfortunately, at this point, is that once again Brandon Carlo is we don't know what it is, but he he's out for with an injury, um, and it, he took a pretty 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 hard hit from what's his first name Le- uh, Liam Liam oh, is it yeah. Liam O'Brien? I was I was gonna yeah. say that, but I was like, no, I feel like that's the NBC Sports broadcaster, but no. That's, um, isn't that Liam McHugh? Liam yeah, McHugh. Yeah. <laughs> also, I confuse him with Jay O'Brien, who plays at BU. Lots, yeah. lots of O'Briens. So, again, I don't know if you guys had, had any problem with the hit from Liam O'Brien. It, it was a pretty textbook hard hockey hit. And yeah. in the past, Scott has mentioned, and we've talked about how Carlo puts himself in vulnerable positions at sometimes during his injuries and this and that. And he's he's – He's, you know, fi- tried to figure out how to, you know, not put himself in those positions. He's made an effort because of the concussion issues and and whatnot. And in this situation, it's he took he looked over his shoulder. He saw the hit coming. And I've said in the past that it'd be nice if the Bruins forwards could try to set picks to try to buy the defense in more time. I forget who the forward was, but even the forwards sent the, they they did they did hold up O'Brien for a little bit, but he still got through. And he's and, and Carlo makes the play and looks up and bam, you know, right into the glass. I don't know if it was his head, but it's safe to assume it might be a concussion. Yeah, yeah. just with the history, with the history, it would make sense. That's certainly the biggest concern. And like it looked like there was almost even like a little bit of whiplash action there. Mm-hmm. So you know, I guess like if you wanted to spin it positively, like maybe it was just like a jam shoulder, but. Uh, you certainly worry about the head. Um, Jim Montgomery did say on Sunday that 
he was feeling better and, and was doing better than they, you know, thought he would be, uh, which is encouraging. He also said he's not playing Monday, so they've already ruled him out for Monday, but it does sound like maybe it's not going to be too long-term or, you know, again, like if it, if it isn't concussion, a, a, another concussion, like maybe it's a little more mild, it, they're just so hard to predict. And, you know, they're not even going to tell us if it was a concussion. Like maybe Carlo will tell us when he comes back. He's been pretty open about concussions in the past. Um, but yeah, you know, the hit itself, I was fine with that. That it was clean. Like you said, like he does, it's not in charge. He didn't lift off the ice. I don't, don't think he hit him directly in the head. I think he no. you know, drove, drove through the shoulder first and maybe like there was a little lift into the head, like jaw well, that- area. At Isn't the end, that the but... scary part? Isn't that the scary part where you see a hit like that and it's like it's contact mo- like to the shoulders. It's like you see the whiplash and you know that like he's gotten so many concussions that if like a hit like that, not even like those blindside like head targeting hits are what's going to set that off for him, then that's really not a good sign if that's what his injury actually is. If it is a concussion, and it's not like a shoulder. Yeah, well, to Brian's point, it's like he, he's got to he does seem to just get like ham and I know defensemen in general are going to get hammered more often than forwards, but it definitely seems like Carlo takes hits like this, like even more often than most defensemen. And I don't know if it's because he's bigger guys feel like they really need to like finish hard. Otherwise they're going to bounce off them type thing. Like, I don't know why it is, but you know, it, you hope like he can find a way to, better brace for that or, or spin off it or kind of be driving into it, into it himself. So, you know, maybe he's a little reverse hit. Like, I don't know what he needs to do, but yeah, I mean, in that case, it, he's, he's sort of leaning forward to play the puck to try to like chip it out of the zone and kind of gets caught in a position where like he can't, isn't really bracing for it. And, you know, that's, maybe like what you have to work on with him on is like, Hey, in the regular season, it's okay. Like if, you know, you just maybe stick your stick out to try to poke the puck away, but like brace for the hit first, uh, you know, like if it's, if it ends up being a turnover, a tie up along the boards, all right, play defense and, you know, try to try to defend the situation, but make sure you don't take that, you know, that hard hit straight on uh, in game two of the regular season. Yeah, and and the bad news is, you know, that means once again, Lynn Holm is without a partner. So, like, McAvoy, obviously, his partner from last season loses him. And then two games in, new partner, Carlo. Now, now no Carlo. And so, I guess we can talk about now what what the idea is on who to put in Carlo's place this upcoming game with Carlo going to be out. And so, the Bruins brought up Dan Renouf. Uh, from the minors. Uh, he's only played 23 NHL games, none for the Bruins. Um, he did play, I think, the most in the season was like 18 games for the Avalanche uh, in 2020. And we, we did get to, a chance to see him in preseason. And he did play he did play decently in preseason um, when he was up with the Bruins. And then the other option would be Strawman, Anton Strawman, who they just signed um, – on a tryout and he had who hasn't made his debut with the Bruins yet because he's still dealing with that visa issue. So as of right now, that's not resolved. Yeah. And it's, um, 
I know people thought like, oh, maybe the Bruins are dragging their feet on the visa because when they do add Strom to the active roster, someone's going to have to get moved off it because you're cap- they're already at 23 players. Um, they're not dragging their feet. Like it's just legitimately not resolved because if they were dragging their feet, it would be resolved right now because Strawman would be going in uh, with Carlos set to miss Monday's game and he's not, it doesn't seem like it's going to be cleared up. So that's why they uh, call up Renouf. The, the whole visa thing, I won't even pretend to get it. Montgomery said he has to fly to Canada and then like come like re-enter the U S which seems, I don't know, bizarre to me, but again, I, I don't, I don't work in a, I don't I don't work in immigration or homeland security or anything, so I I have no idea how all this works. But call an attorney, an immigration yeah, attorney Str- for next Strawman, episode. Strawman not ready. I think he's probably the one who goes with Lindholm once he is cleared, um, because he played there a bunch in training camp and they looked good together in a, in the one preseason game that they played together. But as it is, it looks like it might be Riley playing his offside. Mm-hmm. Next to Lindholm, which you know, Riley has not been off to the best start. I, I don't think Zaboro's been off to the best start. Forward and Clifton have been pretty solid, all things considered. Forward, especially. Um, hey, he got that goal. What yeah. makes him scoreboard? Yep. yep, scoreboard. Second, he's right now he's tied for second in all Bruins goal scorers. But yeah, nine other is, guys. <laughs> I mean, the, the, this is why this is why you signed Strawman. Like, even though there was going to be even though it looked like there was going to be a roster crunch, like Don, Don Sweeney has mentioned this a couple of times. Like he, he's basically adopting an approach of you can never have too many defensemen. And we're already seeing that like we're in game three of the season and Dan Renouf's going to be in the lineup. That's that, that tells you that you can't have enough defensemen. Like, so, you know, Strawman, uh, I think is going to be, he's really more of a necessity. He's not a luxury item. Like they, they need him. They need this visa thing to get resolved. I never really viewed him as a luxury item because I just knew what the inevitable was going to be. It's 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 a no brainer. I mean, you're you're already down McAvoy Grizzly to start the year. I I would have bet you know my life savings that the Bruins would have gone down another defense in, in in the first five games. It's just it's just the nature of the sport. Uh, who that would have been, I don't know, but it's you know, <laughs> I probably would have said Carlo too, just because of his injury history. Injury history. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Strawman's the obvious choice when he's available for now um, they bring up enough, I think mainly just because of the, you know, his size and stature. And I think it's a less is more approach with him, you know, just kind of go in there, be steady Eddie for a game or two. And um, I don't really think they want to tinker too much with the system. Like they, Brandon Carlo is six, five. So I don't know what enough is, but I know that he's a pretty big boy. So yeah, I think he's six, four, six, three, six, four. Yeah. So, I mean, you're losing size, right. And at the defensive position, you know, it's great to have six, a toy- one. Renoff is 6'1". Oh, He's really? Six, I thought it was bigger than yeah, that. Yeah, I'm on his profile right now. 6'1", 198, age hmm. 28 is what his line is. So it's 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 nice to have a, a Tory Crew type player or a Matt Grizzlick or a Jack Ashan type player in your in your defense core if they're one of one, right? Because for the most part, you kind of want to have – I'm not saying you have to have a bunch of Colton Pregos back there or Zdeno Charas, but you don't want to have too many guys that are undersized back there. So it a player like that's welcomed, but right now I just – I don't think the timing is right for Sean based off who went down. Like if Connor Clifton went down or, or, or whatever, it just, it just depends. But um, yeah, I think Strawman's the, the, the choice there. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah. And, and just because this is our, our, you know, segment about uh, defense pairs and how they've been doing, I, I really didn't like the game that I think Scott, you just brought it up that Zaboral had um, on Saturday. I thought he looked slower. I thought he looked like he sometimes didn't know um, where the right move was to go with the puck. Um, and he was somebody that very first preseason game were like, wow, he looks like a different person. Like he looks like he's recovered a hundred percent. And now that we're into the regular season, um, and it is real, like NHL players, the full lineup of everyone, it looks a little different. Yeah. I think what you mentioned about like being a little bit slow, making plays at times to me, that kind of reeks of like someone who doesn't quite have the system down yet. And that's not super surprising because we're only two regular season games in Montgomery was asked after the game, like what percentage he would put it at in terms of, you know, guys getting like the system and kind of having it down. And he said they're like maybe 60, 65% of the way there. So he was like, you know, on the one hand, you want to be further along on the other, this it's encouraging that we're two and zero, and there's still that much room to grow and, and, you know, settle in and like, adapt to it um but yeah Zaboral like I think that first preseason game you have the adrenaline of his first game back and I think that was just kind of a more freewheeling game where like they they had two practices as a, as a team there was no system put in at that point it was like go out and play hockey yeah know? it was like That's use it. your skill and yeah that is exactly and no facing, other parameters and he's facing a bunch of AHLers so yeah he stands out in that game but you know I do kind of wonder if like maybe He's one of the guys who, you know, he gets the puck in the corner and instead of instinctively knowing, you know, what the breakout's going to look like and what his passing lane is going to be, just takes a split second to like think about it. And that, that's like make, that makes all the difference at the NHL level. Like you don't have a split second to think you, you have to know by the time the puck is on your stick. So, you know, I think to, like, I guess the optimistic view would be that Zaboro will get better as, as he settles in more and as he becomes more comfortable and like what's happening around him. Um, but yeah, definitely was a pretty tough, tough game for him Saturday. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, the play that he specifically, like it actually hurt the team was on that Josh Brown goal. It was Zaboro just gave the puck away and everybody was moving up ice. He was trying to clear it. Um, and so all the Bruins were caught heading up ice and then it gets turned around real quick. Josh Brown ends up scoring because no one could get back in position in time. So that was when it kind of came to a head and you noticed it most of all was um, where it actually came around to bite them in the butt and they ended up getting scored against. It it was a, it was an absolute treat and pleasure to, to watch two of the, uh, the leagues just offensively dynamic defenseman in Derek Forber and Josh Brown just go head to head, toe to toe. Um, former Bruin. Couple former Bruins. Like, you know, you talk, you talk, you think Bruins defense lore, you think Chara, Bork, McAvoy, Josh Brown, Forbert, Brown, Jared Tenorti, Tenorti to name a few. Just it, was, like, <laughs> it was the Eastern conference version of seeing Makar and Yossi going at it. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, do we want to give an injury update on on Jake DeBrusque? I think they they gave us a timeline or so. Do we want to give an injury update on on Jake DeBrusque? I think they they gave us a timeline or so today. Yeah, so Montgomery had said 
you know, they don't think that's as bad as they initially thought either. And um, he said on Sunday that he doesn't anticipate it being more than 10 days. So, you know, maybe he misses all of this week's games, but it sounds definitely not anything long-term, which is good, obviously. Like, you, you would hate to lose DeBrus for, you know, at game one of the season, lose him for like a month. So it sounds like, you know, might be a handful of games total that he misses. Which is which is just, you know, it's you look at what the Bruins are dealing with right now, and I think somebody somebody tweeted out it, it tweeted out perfectly. It's like right now the Bruins are without their top left defenseman, their second top right defenseman. Sorry, sorry, a top top right defenseman, second left defenseman, second right defenseman, um, top left winger, top right winger. So it's just well, it's really just, second right wing behind who who Pasternak. Yeah. Well, yeah, well yeah. first line, first well, line. Yeah. Come on, Scott. I'm going. I'm going. In, <laughs> I'm just going in order of the lines. Obviously, yeah. I think Pashnak's a little bit better at right than than the book. but um, you know. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to deal with, and so it, it's good news that he's that he's not uh, long term like we may have feared. It could have been like a fractured wrist or something. Because I know somebody was speculating his hand didn't leave his pocket in the uh, the Bruins intros, and so I know there was like speculation at all. It's probably a hand injury, and it probably is, but. It doesn't seem like it's too bad. Um, yeah, and like I said, when he first when it first happened, the the there was a trainer massaging like his hands, like it most likely hand or wrist injury. Um, and also, just funny thing that I noticed when when Marshawn was coming out, I think he was chewing gum, and then uh, McAvoy came out next to him, and and Marshawn held his hand. So it's just like <laughs> it's like what is going on? What are you doing, Marshawn? Like. He's hey. not in the game, but he's still doing stuff. That I'm what? Like, what? What are we doing here? Friends, friends listen to endless love alone in the dark. <laughs> What's the problem? Oh, and another thing, Bergeron was mic'd up on Saturday, and I noticed he was talking a little strange. And I'm, and I'm, then I realized he's missing a tooth. Is that new, or did I not notice that? Like he's, his, one of his bottom teeth is either like severely chipped or missing. Huh. I, I didn't even notice that. It happened first period Saturday. Because he was, when he was mic'd up, his voice was like, Who? I don't know, he was talking different. Bergeron. Oh, you mean Bertheron? Yeah, I know. Bert- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's, it's hockey. It, they, they, can, they can be without a tooth any day of the week. It's it's just part of the job. I mean, who, who, I feel like you, you're very astute with, the, with noticing the teeth, too. Didn't you notice? I noticed, you man. Girls notice that. And, we noticed. And, We're like, I, you know what? Yeah. That man might be homeless. I need to stay away from him. <laughs> so we noticed the teeth thing right away. We're noticing all the red flags on, mm. on, a, on a guy before they can even, like, talk to us. So, so yeah, I noticed that right away. That's good. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, so, so, so Bergeron does have a blemish, I guess. I thought he was perfect until now, but... <laughs> He can still rock. Is missing a tooth better than breaking his nose for like the 12th time? Yeah, uh, I, yeah. In terms of like whether or not he looks homeless, no. He looks more homeless <laughs> if he's missing the tooth. I still think that's that's mainly from the from the Malkin scrum in the 13 finals when they got into that that little scrum after I think because I think that's when he broke it the first time and that's probably that probably did the most damage. Um, oh yeah, it looked bad that time because I was mm-hmm. I was watching that again the other day. They had like the road to the cup or whatever, and his nose was just 
blistered up. And then he next season with all the broken ribs and everything, he was just no. That was the same. It was the same playoffs. Oh, that, yeah, that was the same playoffs. The broken nose was the was the least was of first. The, yeah, <laughs> first, but the least of the severity of, of those ones. Anyway, um, now that we've already kind of ventured into the miscellaneous segment, do you guys want to yeah. just talk about like? So we have one question that we that we want to answer. Well, did we and- want to touch on? I don't. I think we barely touched on Marshan practicing on Sunday. You want to throw um, this in miscellaneous, or you want to throw this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but I guess just to update people. So I wasn't at practice Sunday, but uh, it was. He was on the ice with the team. Uh, Bruins, you know, tweeted out photos of him. He talked afterwards and it was people were surprised because he was out there in a regular Jersey. So not even a non-contact. But you kind of knew like, all right, let's relax and like see what's going on because his timeline is late November and Marsh and himself has said, that's what he's targeting. Um, So when he talked after practice, he said basically just, he talked his way into being out there because it was, it was a very light practice coming off Saturday night's game. They were only on the ice for like 20, 25 minutes. Um, no contact drills. So Marshawn said it was basically all the same drills he was going to be doing himself, uh, you know, either before or after practice. So he just like forced his way into going out there. Um, but he said he felt good. So that's, that's good. And Montgomery said that he did actually like, initiate some contact in a drill that wasn't even supposed to have contact. So, you know, you can tell Martian's kind of feeling like himself, but you know, I just, so I guess he I doesn't say, like, have an off switch. That's the problem. No. They're like, you just lost your privileges, mister, of, of <laughs> right. coming and practicing with us because you do not have an off switch. Yeah. I think he said he's going to try to be out there again Monday because Monday's an optional morning skate before Monday night's game. Um, so he's probably going to try to do that a little bit more, but I would say like, you know, Let's not freak out too much. I think his, he's still, you know, probably a month and a half away. But not, nonetheless, like it's it's a step. So it's you know, I'm sure it was felt good for him. I'm sure it was like good for everyone to see him out there. It is, and it's it's just another reason for optimism, right? Because you know, when he comes back is is up to him and the training staff and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, all we've talked about this off season is just the importance of of you know, staying in the mix without, without some key players. And it's just, they only have, I say only, they have seven games remaining this month, okay? They're already 2-0. and So the the realistic, you know, schedule the, or, or record the rest of the, the rest of this month, like in the next seven games, can they can they go 3-3-1 three, three and, 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 you know, finish 5-3-1 and one, or can they go whatever? It's like, because they've, taking care of business in these first two games, you start to, it seems really daunting in the off season when you hear these guys are missing this amount of time. But when you're in the moment, you start to look at it game by game and take things one day at a time and say, okay, just, you know, you got Florida and Ottawa. All right. Hopefully go two and oh, can you go one? Can you go one and one? And now you're three and one. You can play that game all you want, looking down their schedule. And um, it's just, it's the importance of them collecting points without these guys. And, you see the Bruins that are on the ice right now early on in the season, you know, they're coming together in, I feel like there's been, I mean, there's been some decent amount of scrums for the 2022 NHL standards um, in these first few games and Greer's going to the net, Frederick, Felino, Lauco, like, you know, obviously after the Carlo injury, like 
guys wanted retribution on 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 O'Brien, and um, there's there there's this team is forming a already a tight team, but they're they're forming a bond early and often. They're forming an identity and and letting it be known that they're going to be in every game and they're going to be engaged. And if you can get that to a certain level, and then you get Marshan and McAvoy back in you know, whatever five six weeks, like the sky really can be the limit for this team this year. So it's just, it's, it's, it's all good things as far as, you know, playing without these guys to start the year. Yeah. You know, what is probably going to be a flaming cold take by the end of the year is um, the people who picked the Bruins to not make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> those people like the, I was like, I don't know how they picked them to, to not even, not even make it, not even a wild card team. But now that we're two games in and we're kind of seeing how they are playing, because it's the only explanation as to why you didn't put them in your playoffs is too many injuries, right? McAvoy, Marshawn, they're going to dig themselves a hole and they're not going to be able to get out of it. So they're not going to be able to make the playoffs. We've now seen how they play without those guys and how they've been able to, you know, completely cover those holes for now. So then what's your excuse? Like now you do you really think? They're not going to be able to make the playoffs. After. It just that's a really end up going to end up being really bad take. Um, and I originally thought it was a bad take by the people that I know, uh, a few other reporters from different teams, some friends of mine that I'm like, you, I don't know what what you see in this team that makes you think they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's it's what you mentioned. It's people, you know, getting too caught up in the injuries or, or you know, another thing you talked about before, like not giving enough credit to Krejci, like seeing him coming back and thinking it wouldn't make that big of a difference, which, um, you know, I never believed. Like, I, I – the idea that he was not going to be a significant upgrade over Hala was just crazy. And and just the way, like, it helps everything else fall in line where, like, now you're going to have a Zaka eventually go down to the third line probably where it's, like, it's just so much deeper than last year. And they're already getting – you know, some depth scoring here early in the season again against the Coyotes. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's definitely people being uh, too overreactive to Martian and McAvoy missing, you know, a month and a half. And maybe not understanding or paying enough attention to the offseason moves that were made. Um, like you mentioned, Zaka, Krejci, you know, even even. Strawman coming in and adding depth now and it's just and I probably not thinking Zaboral was coming back because you might have forgotten about him because he didn't play at all at the end of last season so there was just a lot of pieces that are coming in and adding to not taking away from the team from last year so yeah that's going to be a cold take I don't know how I got on that tangent but <laughs> well it's you know it's it's early season headlines I mean it's, you see a lot of predictions I think I think uh there were like 15 or 16 writers for NHL.com, and I think six of them or five of them had the Bruins missing the playoffs. And you broke up a little bit on my end, so you may have said that. But um, if not, then there's there's an added fuel to your argument. I also think it's a little bit of you know just Boston heat. People don't people like to cheer against Boston, uh, and I also think it's drinking the Kool Aid a little too much on some of these teams that they just don't recognize their blemishes. Like for example, um, Ottawa, Detroit. Um, Florida is people seem to not understand just how much Florida's roster has changed since last year. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is off to a slow start, not uncommon for a team that's gone as deep as they have the last few years, but they're one in three and you watch their games and, and you really do notice that like they've lost some key players. They still have some of the best players in the world at, at what they do, but 
you know, it's it's a it's the top teams are coming down a little bit, and the bottom teams are coming up. It's the the gap isn't isn't so crazy, but um, which I guess makes for some wild playoff predictions because there is some parity, but you know, nonetheless. Um, oh, before I forget, Scott and Bridget, we were talking about this earlier. I do want to get on this tangent because. Bridget mentioned she that by the way, that was not a tangent, Bridget. That was a very, you know, well spoken, you know, um it came from it, it came from the heart. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when I get on when I get on tangents, I start speaking a different language. <laughs> you're like, where did I where was I going? Where am I? Yeah. <laughs> um or your or your internet cuts out no one hears. <laughs> or we yeah, we don't know. Which what is you probably said. which is probably for the best. Uh these 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 damn these damn digital ads on the boards. Can we talk about these? Yeah, go, go for it. I go cannot for it. stand these digital ads. I, I, I went off a little bit a few weeks ago, Bridget. You had you had to take off for a producing shift, and so you didn't hear my my spiel on the on the jersey ads. Oh, but the, I know the jersey the jersey ads is a concept I don't like. The Bruins jersey ad is fine, but they have ads on the helmets, they have ads on the jerseys, yeah, ads on the ice. Everything is sponsored on TV on radio with sponsored segments. You got Jack Edwards calling for the Ford F one fifty Final Five eighty two times a year. For Christ's sake. Hey, that's better times- than some of the stuff he says. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and the worst part about Jack doing that is he misses the mark so many times. Sometimes there'll be three minutes left in the game, and he'll be like, where's the 4 50 final five? I'm like, Jack, you missed it two minutes ago. Now you just gave me a heart attack. Um, I, well, I have to do it now with Nesson for my games, and I'm like, I, I try to be right on it. I'm like, ah, it's the good. final five, guys. I, <laughs> I figured it out. Scott, what 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 are your thoughts on these damn these damn digital ads? At least, if they're gonna do it, make sure the technology is is done properly. They're all over the map. They're yeah, the map. So, so that's my biggest issue. Is like so this was approved at the league level, so this isn't an NHL thing. It's not just the Bruins or just Nesson. Um, but the NHL like said in a statement or like in an interview somewhere that they had tested it and that you know that they basically that they came to the determination that, like they weren't really that noticeable that they didn't move around they didn't interfere with play liars like mm-hmm. we all see it like that they do move around like the camera moves and the ad jiggles around and it's very distracting and like the puck goes into the, <laughs> the corner jiggling. it's very yeah. distracting yes. <laughs> Um, sorry scott <laughs> sorry keep going keep going look at those look at those ads just jiggling <laughs> see even just the word jiggling was distra- distracting what enough a, to scott that he started laughing what a great word <laughs> that is a hell of a word i'm trying to find that quote though scott because i know exactly who you're talking about yeah it's um, the most condescending oh i got it in front of me so you keep going but i'll read yeah, it so it's like maybe they didn't watch enough games or like test it like i don't know but like no it, it's just the money every, Everyone notices. Literally like, just ev- the money. Everyone sees this happening and knows that, like, like it's not like every hockey fan is getting together to shit on this just because, like, just for the sake of it. Like, no, like people are getting pissed off about this and shitting on it because it is noticeable and it is distracting. Like, you know, I think, like, this has kind of been my thing with the, you know, Brian. Like as we discussed with like the helmet ads and jersey ads, I accept those. Like, I, I've given up a long time ago i i expect ads to be everywhere eventually but that stuff like i honestly don't find all that distracting maybe at at the very beginning but then you get used to it 
But like when it's actually moving around while you're trying to watch play and follow the puck and like the puck goes into the corner and it like disappears for a brief second because the, you know, superimposed ad gets messed up. It's like that to me is legitimately distracting like that. And I don't think that's something like I'm going to get used to. Bridget, I, was, I, I told, I told Scott uh, at the end of my spiel that like the Bruins did their Jersey ad tastefully and, and, as long as they don't turn into like European hockey leagues or NASCAR or whatever with yeah. them everywhere. I was like, I can see that. I was like, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't love the idea of original six jerseys having, you know, Geico patches on them. I just don't like it. Um, I'm, I just don't, but it doesn't interfere with the viewing experience of a game. And this um, does. This does. And of course my phone just locked me out, but so what's the guy's name? Is it, so he's, he works for the NHL. His name's Keith. Keith Keith Wattell is that how you say it? Whatever, whatever. He's a he works he works for the NHL. He's the NHL's chief business officer and executive vice president of global partnerships. And he told uh, ESPN before the Sharks and Predators, uh, yeah, the Sharks and Predators played their global series. He said, and I quote: "Like anything else, you're going to have you're going to have your people that don't like it, that think it is difficult to watch. But over time, like everything else, people will get used to it." This is the best part. And we're not too concerned at all whatsoever. So basically he's saying tough shit. We don't give a rat's ass what anybody else thinks. We've sunk tens of millions of dollars into this. We're running this program. We don't give a shit what the fans think because why would we care what they think? That's hey, guess what? Guess what happened to the last distracting things that was superimposed onto, onto TVs for hockey. You remember when the puck used we'll to talk have about tail? Jack Edwards like that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember when the puck used to have a tail on it and it like, followed the puck and it used to be on the broadcast where did that go oh maybe everybody hated it so it's gone unfortunately though that that's a game feature like you know the the league sunk so much money into this that like when it comes to the wallets they're not going to budge that i'm just saying like that's such a such a bad quote like that is just such a like an incorrect thing to say like oh people will get used to it people didn't like that when they had that superimposed on their screens back whenever they were doing that with the puck so no they're not gonna like this this is distracting too i I said something to you guys beforehand when we brought it up which was that like i always see it glitching when players skate over the ones that are on the ice like the imposed ones on the ice in particular like they break up and they like when, whenever a player goes over them, cause it's like, a, it's like a green screen. And sometimes like, it's like, it's like a zoom background when you move, like sometimes you can kind of see a little bit in the background. It's like when something crosses it, it just like scatters. And then it's, it's hard to tell. Like the great thing about hockey is white, sur- like the white surface makes it easier to see what's going on for the most part. Then you put this like this ad over it and it makes it like the contrast so much yeah, more yeah. impossible and, and the- to make. The problem is is how close it is to play and how easily noticeable it is because the superimposed ads themselves, like that's not that new. Like even the NHL has had it. Like we've seen it like on the glass behind the goals before. Like I know Nesson has had ads there. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball does it like on the like on the edges of the courts. You'll see superimposed ads. Which that's Same no with big soccer. deal. Baseball has them behind home plate sometimes, but like those aren't distracting because that's not, it's in the background of play. Like it's not right there on play where the players are like bumping up against it and the pucks going by it. Like it's, it's just, it's very different and much more distracting when it's right there and like actually involved in the play almost. 
and and the other thing too it's like the other problem is aside from the actual digital ads which not all are created equally some of the ads aren't bad like they're small the fonts normal it's not it's not a big deal but there are some where it's like i said to you guys earlier like the ford had one the the entire boards turn navy or DraftKings have their really vibrant green and, and orange it's it's just huge but the other thing too is that be, the the white strip which is the boards the the digital white part of the boards now it's too white like it's it's it, it's whiter than the ice it's the ice surface it's and it's a it's a little thing but it's something i've noticed too like obviously actual boards are marked up with puck marks and it's not there's like a it looks real but because they're putting the ads on a digital you know thing that the the, the white strip that's the boards is behind it is too white if you notice like at the red line at center ice and the blue lines, like the, the strip that goes up along the boards, like those are gone um, because the white strip is in front of it. So it's just like little things like that too, just make it all the worse. But the good news is Keith Wattel, and if I'm saying your last name incorrectly, good. Um, <laughs> he, he's not too concerned about what we think. And in fact, he's speaking for all of us before we even had a chance to see it. Um, you son of a bitch. So <laughs> I hope to God. Uh, is that the first person you've called a son of a bitch this season? Did we make it to full games <laughs> or did we not? <laughs> I'm not sure, but as long as I'm not calling people on the Bruins, son of a bitch, then, then we're fine. <laughs> but if I, I hope, I hope I see, I hope I see Keith Wattel at some point in time and I'm going to give him a what for. Um, <laughs> I just, I just don't know if it's. The you actually won't is, see him because he'll have superimposed ads all around him, and uh, yeah, he'll blend in like camouflage. Yeah, he looks like like he'll be like the the, the guy that's like in the gas stations or whatever, with the, like, <laughs> the wacky cool. inflatable. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is, like, I feel like the NHL could have every single person in North America be knocking on their door and complaining about it, but I don't think they they care. Like, they 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 sunk money into this. They've been working on it for seven years. What the hell have How they been doing it for take seven them years? That long? It sucks. You, it's not even working. I noticed back, like, and, and other teams were doing it earlier. Like, the Islanders games were so bad. When they first started doing this, like, I would be watching Islanders games. And, like, also because that that, that rink that they used to have, it was already kind of a mess. Um, and they just – the technology wasn't great then. It's still not great. But, like, they had time to fix yeah. the technology or at least had time to try to make the right decisions with it on where to put the ads how big they should be you mm. know like that should have already been figured out i don't think i don't think the digital ads should be should be healthy scratch i think they should be bottled completely and buried um but <laughs> i, I that, that's just my opinion i think i speak for a lot of us I, we've gone a little long so um do any of you have anything else or are we all set no, we got to log off. I got to go watch House of the Dragon. Oh, that's right. Oh, we're three minutes late. Run, Good Scott. Streaming. It's, all, it's, it's, it's a stream. You can watch anytime. Bruins are playing back-to-back -back games. They got Florida, Ottawa. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Mm -hmm.